0: our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this This very room. And so I invite you to know with me, allowing my words to be your words if they fit for you. But I call forth in my awareness the presence of the one life, this infinite divine intelligence, wisdom, vibration, this experience of aliveness. That life, that vibration, that intelligence, that wisdom is my life your life. And so in that claiming, in that declaration, I know that I am shifted and changed as are you, contingent upon our willingness to open ourselves to that awareness, to know that life is for us, that each and every one of us is the individualized expression of that life, that each and every one has gifts, talents, and opportunities to express the newness the possibilities as well as to maintain the traditions that are precious and healthy and vibrant from us so we stand fully orbed in that awareness in this moment in that that experience of being that spaciousness of sweetness the beauty and the joy of life and so in standing in that i know that every good thing necessary that is seeking expression in and through and as every one of us has an opportunity to make itself known in a more apparent and beautiful way, that this day is successful in every good way, that we are being transformed and done unto as we come together this day in the joy and the possibility and the vibrant consciousness of community. I give thanks knowing that something wonderful truly is happening in and through and as myself and each person that I interact with this day. For this I give thanks. I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. First of all, did anyone leave a a cell phone out front on the way in? Someone just gave this to me. If it's yours, it's a. It looks like an iPhone 4. I've tried every code I know to break into it, and none of them have been successful. So, if you're missing a phone, it's right here. And maybe they'll call during the service. Is this you? Is that yours? Here we go. Perfect. All right. So we're talking about uh, the company you keep this month and self-observation, and, and so I wanted to start out with the company you keep community, because all of us are attached to certain tribes. There's certain, uh, you know, um, political affiliations we have, or there's certain causes we're aligned with, and we are a spiritual community. And so if you're here and you're, you've dipped your toe in a little bit, um, there needs to be some 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 way that you connect with this in a meaningful way because we don't, we don't coerce anyone into being with us. I don't, have the, the, I don't have hell to send you to if you don't show up. That's the way I was raised. And you're here voluntarily, and I get that. But we align ourselves with certain ideas and certain things that seem to, come, to, to, to call us, uh, and that's different for all of us. And so I wanted to talk about the company you keep community and why it's important and why I think what we have to offer in terms of our Modality and how we approach life and spirituality is, is um, perhaps unique, sometimes a good fit, sometimes not a good fit. So today's theme, uh, the company you keep, community, there we are. Anybody see themselves up there? One of those stock photos of, of celebration, that we're a community of celebrates life, that we're, we're here to celebrate and, and to be alive. So the next slide is a picture of a young man by the name of John Acuff. And the quote there says, Fear and doubt hate community. Fear and doubt hate community. One of fear and doubt's chief aims is to make you feel alone, like you're the only one that feels that way. Fear wants to isolate you and put you on an island. As long as you keep your fears to yourself, no one can tell you the truth about it. So everyone has fears. We are, we are born in a, a world that, as Dr. Holmes said, is a sort of this universal I'm not enough or there's not enough or whatever the level of scarcity may be, but, but, but we are inundated with that. We're inundated right now with a culture that we talk about the 1%, people know about the 1%, and, the, and it's fascinating to watch how this, this system, and I'm not for it or against it, I'm just simply reporting an observation. So we have a, a group of individuals on the planet that are incredibly wealthy, have, have opportunities and access to things that most of us uh, don't have. And it's become very popular to talk about that. It's been very popular as if there's something wrong if you're not part of that or that, that that's, a, that's a goal to emulate. What I know about 1% is what happens when we isolate ourselves that way, there's a common good that we all know about. There's a common, there's a drive within all of us that is, that is as Dr. Holmes used to say, there is no private good. And so that common good, what happens when the, when the, the mindset is and the choice is made because it's truly about choice. I mean, this goes all the way back to the first chapter of the the, uh, Old Testament around Genesis. And one of them was the discernment. I mean, the reason that Adam and Eve got thrown out of the garden is because they ate from the the tree of knowledge of of good and evil, which is really about this idea of choosing. It's about the evolution of consciousness. And so all of us get a chance to choose. But the 1%, what happens is it becomes a status quo. And then for them as well, there's no peace because there's this, 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 this need for more and more and more. And then of course, what we see happening as well is that there's political influence votes, especially in the United States. There's so much of the corporation now controlling the, uh, the political climate. And it's neither here nor there, it's, it's happened before, and I believe that, it, that, that we're here to evolve consciousness. So those people are simply modeling a, a, a mindset and following through on it with such great uh, tenacity that that's been their experience. But what it does, in my opinion, my take on this, is that it isolates you from the common good. And maybe not in all cases, but it's just one of the symptoms of what's happening on the planet, and it's a reflection of choice. So the reasons for community, there's, I wrote down seven of them that came to mind. Number one, in community, whatever community we're in, whatever group we're aligned with, there's a collective wisdom. In other words, there's a wisdom that gets generated that is beyond any one individual, and that's powerful and potent. That's why we gather. That's why we, we, we um, spend time together. Why we're called to certain causes. Number two, it helps push us beyond our limits. So many people here are, are, are uh, coaches or they're mentors or they're being mentored or coached. I'm on both ends of that. But, it's, but it pushes me beyond my limits when I have someone that I'm reflecting with and, and looking at my life deeply. And so when we're, we're in a relationship like that, there's someone there that is sort of um, mentoring us along and nurturing a, a new possibility. In community, there's support and belief. So we all share, I think most people here, unless you're here for the first time and just wandered in, the bus stopped here and you got off, cause, uh, is that we believe that life, is, that life and spirit are available to all of us in and through and as us. It's our divine nature, that it's not a God out there. It is, it, it is a God out there. It's also a God within us. And so we had to contact and are in that relationship uh, to the degree that we can, that we can clarify our, clarify our uh, relationship with that. There's new ideas. When we're in, there's new ideas that bubble up. And I'm going to share a few of those that came to me while I was putting this uh, discussion together. We can borrow motivation. So when we have people in our lives that are holding a higher standard for us and, 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 and offering us tools and, and, and uh, insights and awarenesses, we can borrow that as, as part of the motivation that keeps us moving in the, in the right direction or in the direction that we're called to. There's accountability. There's witnessing. We get to share we get to share. Uh, people's successes we get to be there with one another I mean and sometimes we're just there to help comfort one another when a loved one passes away but we're there to be in support of one another in a variety of ways but without community without gathering without having that that sense of of, of of a larger family we miss that and then there's the sharing of the yes or two or more in agreement it is done And so when the prayer work, we come to an agreement around something that we do our prayer work, our affirmative prayer work, Reverend Catherine was speaking about it. Our practitioners come up at the end of service, and they offer support in terms of whatever it is, whatever the challenges may be in your life. So I'm going to talk a bit about those things as I talk about the mosaic of of how these fears and doubts operate in our lives and the value of community. So uh, it was mentioned earlier that the Science of Mind magazine uh, is our gift to our members this month? There's several. There's a number of copies in the bookstore, um, and if you'd like to purchase one, they're also back there. And I wrote the 31 guides in this. It's one of the hardest things um, that I do in uh, in my experience, and it's the second time I've done this. And I always think, well, I'm all out of ideas. But I say that after every Sunday talk as well. I got everything. I said everything I need to say. So now I got to go find a real job. <laughs> but anyway, um, and that's but that's the that's the voice of fear and doubt. That's the voice of fear and doubt that we're always challenged by. So the voice of fear says, who are you to do that? So when they called and said, would you run the th- write the 31 guides to the Science of Mind magazine, first thought that comes to me is not, oh, sure, this will be great. This will be a piece of cake. What an opportunity. No. I say, well, who are you to do that? Who are you to hold that space? So I've got to look at that one. And then, well, you're, you're too late. I missed my deadline this time by, the, uh, by a month. So I, I just don't tell anybody I did that. But I missed it by 30 days. Had to call and say, I, I'm not going to make it. Um, but that you're too late was part of uh, that whole process. It's always part of that discussion. It has to be perfect. Oh, man, is that a good one? You know, I write them, and then i got to rewrite them four times because they aren't perfect. And then after a while, you just gotta, you just got to declare a victory and send them in. Don't even bother. Why start? Oh, man, is that a good one? I just stay stuck and don't even bother. And then, of course, there's 31 of them, and I should be able to get them all written in an afternoon. Um, and that doesn't work either, but that is the voice of fear and doubt. So I get these all done. People are sending me very nice messages on Facebook and on emails and saying, man, when is your book going to be done? And as soon as I hear, when is your book going to be done, I go right back to the top of the list. And I go, oh, man, who am I to write a book? And it just comes back up again. And so what I know now is that that's just the voice of fear. And I can agree with it and I can run with it. Or, so I have, I have practices in my life that help me quiet that a bit. So transformation, and this is what I'm talking about. The reason that I believe we come to community is to help assist one another in the transformation in our own awareness. Transformation happens through acceptance. Acceptance shifts how we experience ourselves in the world more, and we become more fully developed. So by that, what I mean is that we all have error beliefs. We all have limiting ideas. These, these ones I just shared with you in a very personal way. What happens is the way that I, I deal with these effectively is I bring them up into my awareness and I look at them until they no longer have power over me. And I've been through it enough now with these particular limiting ideas that I, I can pull it up sooner rather than later and process it faster. And I have processes. And, and so what I do now, even though that stuff's going on, I start. And many times I start writing something, but it's not, it's not anywhere near what's going to end up being the final product, but it gets me out of that inertia and it quiets that voice. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, wait a minute, what I really want to say is this, and then I move to that. So it takes as long as it takes. But what it requires for me is the diligence to keep pulling it up, looking at it, and going, oh, this is good, and, and that's the editing. That's the editing that goes on. So it's the learning, it's the editing, and it takes us to mastery. Learning, editing, and, editing, and mastery. But if we understand that about ourselves, then when the voice of fear comes up, it's no big deal. Well, that's fear, that's my resistance, that's that voice that says not enough, can't do it, whatever it may be. And so that becomes the spiritual practice and it's very powerful. Otherwise, we stay stuck in the status quo. There's a wonderful metaphor that I I was reading when I was putting this together of how, as humans, we live on the the side of the ocean. We live on the, the ocean side. And what the deeper levels of consciousness is doing is calling us to take a dive into the ocean, into this beautiful depth of the ocean. But our egoic self and the, the, the self that is connected to the, the form, the matter, which is very important, it keeps calling us back. Why dive deeper? Because we've got all this fun, we have all these distractions going on in our life, but to dive deeper into the ocean, because there's sharks in the ocean wants to dive into an ocean full of sharks well the sharks in my opinion in this metaphor are those limiting beliefs those error beliefs we have about ourselves and when we dive into them when we pull them into the light of awareness we have to confront the error beliefs those lies that we tell ourselves and so part of the advantage of community and being in an awake and aware community and evolving community is that we we can share that with one another and we can look at one another and say, that's not true. I realize that's, that's alive and true for you, but that's not the truth of your being. And it's unraveling that, and it's loosening our, our, our attachment to that. There lives in each of us a desire to move to the ocean, to become more aware, to be more alive in all of us. And what, this, and what this journey is about is aliveness. So there's a picture of me when I was about, uh, no, it's not a picture of me. I keep saying that every week. But isn't that a cute kid? But it's aliveness. Aren't kids just fully alive? You know, all of us that have been around children and, and have been parents, there's an aliveness. And so what we want to do is we want to live in this, this sense of well-being, this sense of connection, we want to live in this, this shalom, as the, the Jewish tradition would say, the peace, the blessedness, the wholeness, the harmony, life to the fullest, aliveness. I found a wonderful book and was putting this discussion together called by, um, he's a minister, he's a traditional Christian minister by the name of Brian McLaren, and he wrote a book called We Make the Road by Walking. And uh, his introduction is just fabulous, and I, I totally uh, agree with this, this man. He said that he said this about spirituality. He said, the quest for aliveness is the best thing about religion. He said, I think it's what we're hoping for when we pray. It's why we gather, celebrate, eat, abstain, attend, practice, sing, and contemplate. I mean, I I do my spiritual practice because there's an aliveness that comes over me. I, I mean, I, you know, when we're here together, when we're gathered together, there's a, there's, a, there's a frequency that gets lifted up that we share. And I think it's true of all spiritual traditions. But I think what's unique about us, what, what has happened, and he, he goes on in the next paragraph to talk about this, and, and most of our, our traditions, uh, our, 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 our traditions that most of us were domesticated in, there's, a, there's an energy. That sucks the aliveness out of us. In other words, there's rules and there's sin and there's this idea that we we were born. I was taught that I was born with original sin. I was not born in original sin, although people that around me that were mentoring me told me that I was born in original sin, which is a way for them to just simply um, keep me in line in a sense. And I get that, and they did that out of love because that's what they believe. But we're born in original ignorance. We don't know. We're taught. I was taught. I'm separate from God. God's out there somewhere, and by behavior, I will earn my way into this is heavenly graces or not. And God was a man. But so there's this. There's this. Um, uh, traditional res- religions, many times, and not all the time, and not on all, all traditions. But my experience was was somewhat like this. It shrinks, starves, cages, and freezes aliveness rather than fostering it. And I think that's why you see a lot of the traditional. Movements losing members and losing because what the young people want, what I know about the youth and young people, is they want a sense of aliveness, and that is not in that is not contradictory to what what the infinite, what God wants us to express, but we think it is, or many think it is, and I disagree with that. So, when we talk about this community and why this community um, uh, is unique in a sense of how we approach spirituality, I think it's because we are a movement. We are a spiritual revolution based on aliveness. And we see it everywhere we look. So here's this little baby up there, aliveness. It's why the next, the next uh, slide is a, a woman with, an, um, with a ribbon and she's running. It's why runners run. It's why people celebrate and create. It's why fishermen fish. It's why lovers love. It's why chefs cook. You know, it's why hockey players skate. I mean, all of it is an expression of life. Dr. Holmes said the reason, that what's important is that while we're alive, we're, we, we're fully alive. While we have life, we live our lives fully. And it's not contradictory, it's just simply understanding. And when we, when we stand in, in deeper connection with the divine intelligence and wisdom that is supporting us, we realize that, that I'm, I'm living close to spirit. I'm living in that, that deeper, deeper awareness so a spiritual revolution based on aliveness. The next slide shows a picture of a glass work. When I was in Denver recently, I went and saw this man's work. He's a man by the name of Dale Chihuly, and he's one of the preeminent glass artists on the planet. And this is a piece of his work and when I went to see him in Denver, I went to the Botanic Gardens. And I guess he has, a, he has a, displays all over the world. There's actually a, a gallery of his in, in Las Vegas. I was looking at him this morning, getting more information. But he's got um, a standing display of uh, work in Seattle. He's also got this um, in the Botanic Gardens of the Denver uh, area. They've taken his glasswork and they've, they've mixed it with uh, natural vegetation. And it's incredible. And so the next slide is another, there's the boat. He's got several boats floating around the Botanic Garden full of these beautiful orbs of glass that have been blown. And the next one is another picture of, so what they've done is they've placed some of this stuff out in nature. It's fabulous stuff. It's amazing. Next slide is a picture of him. He's 72 years young. He's got a patch on his eye because he lost one of his eyes in a car accident. Glass hit his eye and took, he lost an eye. And then what happened to him, which was transformational, is that he lost the ability to blow glass because he injured his shoulder. He was body surfing in Hawaii and he broke his clavicle. And he was no longer able to hold, hold the pipe to, to blow the glass because he'd been doing it in a very small way. And so what happened for him, and he devoted his whole life to this, this art, was it all of a sudden he could step back from his art and see it from a different perspective. And he started mentoring and, and training other people. And his glasswork and his artistry exploded because he could see it from a different perspective and he could anticipate what needed to be done at times. And all of a sudden he went from creating these very small things to having a whole team. And now his artwork is everywhere. But it's an example of aliveness. It's an example of creativity and of freedom of, and of beauty it's breathtaking. You walk, I mean, you just walk around. I, could, I, was, I was there for a few hours. And I was just amazed by his artwork. But I think it's, a, it's an example of the possibility and what is seeking expression by all of us in some way, shape, or form. Eckhart Tolle says, Our greatest addiction is our compulsive thinking. Our greatest addiction is our compulsive thinking. Krishnamurti said, look at your life and its busyness. Can you really fix the problem with the, at the level of thinking? Einstein talked about that. We can't solve the problem by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created, created them. And so, what is one of the tools that we can use for this aliveness, for this being? The great spiritual teacher, Ramana Hashi, said, how do we measure progress on the spiritual path? It's the degree of the absence of thought. It's the degree of the absence of thought. So in other words, the ability, Tolle talks about this beautifully. If you want to see more of this, go on and see Eckhart Tolle talking on YouTube. He said, my greatest achievement in life has been to stop thinking. My whole experience with this, when I'm going to John of God, we're going in a couple more weeks. When I'm there the whole the whole quality of thinking shifts and changes, and, and and then there's a reentry, and it takes a few days to get back into your your the thinking patterns that allow you to function well in this in this environment. But when you're there, for me anyway, you're pulled out of that level of thinking. And when I'm, for, I've been saying to people for a number of years now in my own meditation practice that many times there's just nothing, it's just thought. That's that's that's, that's stillness. There's peace and tranquility. And it seems paradoxical because that compulsive thinking we're so addicted to wants to, the next idea, the next idea, the next idea. Think, 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 think. What happens, as Krishnamurti said, is when we quiet the mind and we step more into being, we become more intelligent. We become more available to the newness and the ideas that the spirit is, wants to express. So it's so counterintuitive and yet so powerful. As Byron Katie would say, who would you be without that thought? And thought after thought after thought come, and so to measure our progress, our spiritual progress is there. There are moments, and Tolle says it can be for two seconds. You know, he told the group. I saw him do the lecture. He says, when you get out of your chair and you move to your room, they were at a retreat center. Just invite yourself to stop thinking. What does that feel like? And it's a practice. We can do it anywhere at any time. We don't need, you know, we don't need to say, well, leave me alone. I'm going to go in my room now. I'm not going to be thinking for a couple of hours. So. Don't be knocking on the door. But to practice that in bits and pieces. And it creates that thoughtfulness and that awareness, that peace and that presence. Fascinating. But we're a community. We're a spiritual community. And so part of the opportunity is for us to come together and share ideas that have impact and move us towards transformation what if I didn't run with the thought, I'm not, I can't do that. Who am I to take that space? What if I just look at that thought and say, oh, look at that. There, there's that part of me that keeps bringing that up. Because, you know, I think sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. We, we've spent a lifetime thinking things that aren't true about ourselves. And then to think we're going to unravel them in a couple of weeks is really unfair. So then, what we have is okay. I have this belief that I'm not good enough, and then I I, and I went to church, and I've been for three days now. I've been affirming I am enough, but I don't believe it. So obviously, it doesn't work. But in fact, we have spent years and years and years of repetitive thought, discounting ourselves. And so, as Tolle says, one of the pathways to awareness is to stop the chatter, stop the thinking. So the newness can show up. And it's, it's weird, it's different, it's strange. And it's beautiful. It's funny, as I, I tell you to, to stop thinking, I, I can't remember what I'm supposed to say anymore. <laughs> which is probably not a good place to go while you're giving a talk. <laughs> but it, it, it's so counterintuitive, isn't it? Where, does, where do ideas come from? You know, what, what Holmes talked about is that all of the ideas are already alive and complete in the mind of God or this divine intelligence. Because when you say mind of God, you still think of a guy, right? The G word. But I'm really talking about goddess too. So let's think about a beautiful woman for a while. Anyway. Um, but, but in fact, so what happens when we, when we go into being and we infirm for ourselves and work with this intelligence say the right, the right and perfect next idea is made, it, made clear to me. And then it will show up. And it will, but we have to practice. Because what happens when I hear that is, oh, that's not gonna happen when I say that. Oh, pfft, too busy thinking. When I first found this teaching, I've said it many times, and I thought, this stuff is great. I love this stuff. I'll be master of time, space, and dimension here in another six months. <laughs> and yet I realized that what I had to pay attention to was every thought I had along the way. I was like, that's impossible. Stop it. Because then I realized, you know, this is not for me, this is for somebody else. But the more that we can presence ourselves in being, the more we can support ourselves in that activity and that newness can show up and the possibility can show up. There's a wonderful scientist, I saw him on Bill Maher's uh, uh, program on HBO, a scientist by the name of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know if you've seen him or not, but this guy's brilliant. And Bill Maher said to him, well, I'd much rather have everybody in the US having health care than have gone to the moon. And what the scientist said was, you don't understand that if we hadn't gone to the moon, we wouldn't have all these wonderful uh, technology and techniques for health care. You see, they're both connected. It's not either or. It's not like, oh, let's put all our money over here because that would be better. He said, all of these treatments that we are so advanced now that help prolong life and to alleviate suffering, many of them are a result of the technology discovered in that effort to go to the moon. I remember when John Kennedy said that to the scientist. He laid down a challenge in the 60s. He said, we will go to the moon. And the brightest and the best stepped up and became and trained themselves to do that. That's the human capacity stretching itself, the creativity. We're called to something. And what's, what's, what I know is we're called to part of this movement and within our, our teaching. I've been around it for a number of years now. It's probably my 23rd or 24th year in this teaching. Is that we're called to be part of this spiritual revolution in a big way. I wanted to uh, share with you, Brian McLaren has another paragraph I just love. He said, so our world, what our world truly needs needs, is a global spiritual movement dedicated to aliveness. Dedicated to aliveness, because that's God in form, that's God in expression. And there's no private good. This movement must be global, because the threats we face cannot be contained by national borders. It must be spiritual because the threats we face go deeper than brain-level politics and economics to the heart level of value and meaning. It must be social because it can't be imposed from above. It can only spread from person to person, friend to friend, family to family, network to network, and it must be a movement because, by definition, movements stir and focus grassroots human desire to bring change to institutions and the society those institutions are intending to serve. That's why we do community. And that's why it's important that you align yourself with a community that brings you alive. I want to share with you a, bit, a, a short segment of a, a woman whose life was transformed as a result of relationship. And what she found was a way to reach out into community in a, in, a, in a most powerful way. So could you cue that up, please?
1: There are a lot of ways the people around us can help improve our lives. We don't bump into every neighbor, so a lot of wisdom never gets passed on. But we do share the same public spaces. So over the past few years, I've tried ways to share more with my neighbors in public space, using simple tools like stickers, stencils, and chalk. And these projects came from questions I had like, how much are my neighbors paying for their apartments? How can we lend and borrow more things without knocking on each other's doors at a bad time? How can we share more of our memories of our abandoned buildings and gain a better understanding of our landscape? And how can we share more of our hopes for our vacant storefronts so our communities can reflect our needs and dreams today? I live in New Orleans, and I am in love with New Orleans. My soul is always soothed by the giant live oak trees, Shading lovers, drunks, and dreamers for hundreds of years. And I trust a city that always makes way for music. I feel like every time someone sneezes, New Orleans has a parade. (laughs) The city has some of the most beautiful architecture in the world, but it also has one of the highest amounts of abandoned properties in America. I live near this house, and I thought about how I could make it a nicer space for my neighborhood. And I also thought about something that changed my life forever. In 2009, I lost someone I loved very much. Her name was Joan, and she was a mother to me. And her death was sudden and unexpected. And I thought about death a lot. And this made me feel deep gratitude for the time I've had. And brought clarity to the things that are meaningful to my life now. But I struggle to maintain this perspective in my daily life. I feel like it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and forget what really matters to you. So with help from old and new friends, I turned the side of this abandoned house into a giant chalkboard and stenciled it with the -the fill-in-the-blank sentence, Before I die, I want to so anyone walking by can pick up a piece of chalk, reflect on their lives, and share their personal aspirations in public space. I didn't know what to expect from this experiment, but by the next day, the wall was entirely filled out, and it kept growing. And I'd like to share a few things that people wrote on this wall. Before I die, I want to be tried for piracy. Before I die, I want to straddle the international dateline. Before I die, I want to sing for millions. Before I die, I want to plant a tree. Before I die, I want to live off the grid. Before I die, I want to hold her one more time. Before I die, I want to be someone's cavalry. Before I die, I want to be completely myself. So this neglected space became a constructive one, and people's hopes and dreams made me laugh out loud, tear up, uh, and they consoled me during my own tough times. It's about knowing you're not alone, It's about understanding our neighbors in new and enlightening ways. It's about making space for reflection and contemplation and remembering what really matters most to us as we grow and change. I made this last year and started receiving hundreds of messages from passionate people who wanted to make a wall with their community. So my Civic Center colleagues and I made a toolkit, and now walls have been made in countries around the world, including Kazakhstan, South Africa, Australia, Argentina, and beyond. Together, we've shown how powerful our public spaces can be if we're given the opportunity to have a voice and share more with one another. Two of the most valuable things we have are time and our relationships with other people. In our age of increasing distractions, It's more important than ever to find ways to maintain perspective and remember that life is brief and tender. Death is something that we're often discouraged to talk about or even think about, but I've realized that preparing for death is one of the most empowering things you can do. Thinking about death clarifies your life. Our shared spaces can better reflect what matters to us as individuals and as a community. And with more ways to share our hopes, fears, and stories, the people around us can not only help us make better places, they can help us lead better lives. Thank you.
0: So I didn't know, someone told me after the first service, there's actually a before I die um, site down on 102nd and 95th. Anybody know that one? Okay. 95th Street, Valda uh, said, in 102nd or 103rd Avenue. But anyway, I saw this and right away I went into this whole, you know, how do we do that here and where do we put this up? And I just thought it was wonderful because for me, it's such a perfect fit for what we do. We ask, we ask people what their intentions are and then we do our prayer work to support them into that new experience so i'm just floating it out there don't know how it'll show up but i just thought what a wonderful way to support and love one another you know maybe we need to put it underneath our flowers out front but um you know just a, a wonderful way to extend beyond the walls of our community what we stand for and part of the the power of it is writing it down and making the request that's one of the things i love about the john of god experience is they say that if we are not thanking the powers of good in our lives that we are immersed in, they call it the smoke of spirit, a thousand times a day we're missing opportunities because their souls evolved by assisting and helping us. So if you believe in angels or whatever it is, but I, I've had some very, very profound experiences with that. And so much of my prayer work is gratitude. Thank you so much for guiding me and directing me today in this or that. And then I go about the work of doing it. You know, my part is to show up. I've got to do the research and... And, and, and prepare something that I think has value and vibrancy that brings aliveness to your life and to my life. Or whatever it may be. You know, I have a lovely lawn, but i got to cut it once a week. You know, so, so spirit it's done its part. Spirit grew the grass. And then I get to decide whether I'm going to mow it or not. And according to my wife, we mow it. So I just <laughs> I keep mowing. But you know what I mean. And here's this beautiful story of this woman whose heart was cracked open by the loss of someone that was dear to her. And so she took her grief and she found a way to, to connect other people because we are connected. I mean, we are either, we either decide we're part of this community of this uh, spiritual revolution that supports aliveness, which cuts across all, the, all of the, the dogma and the, and the traditions of, of all of the, the uh, wisdom teachings on the planet to the core of it which is that all of us are spirit individualized that we all have an opportunity to be open as we come into the presence we become more intelligent and wise because that that constant compulsive thinking has quieted down a bit and that's a challenge for all of us and so you know for me watching this video the sobering effects of of grief many times bring us to the present moment and re- and, and then we reassess where we are so that we, that the creativity and the and the tribute that we want to participate in or the connection because it truly is our time you've spent your time here this morning it's a huge investment you could be anywhere on a beautiful summer day in Edmonton come on we get like what four of these and and yet you're here because I know that my soul longs for aliveness and I see the suffering on the planet. And for me I realize, man, if we're all connected, then there's a part of me that's that's connected to that, and I want to look at that and I wanna be part of the answer, not more of the problem. I don't have a problem with the one percent. Good for those guys. I'm glad that isn't my path. I watched a thing the other night, um, um, a guy that traced the, the, the royal family of England and because of this little thing that happened like in, I don't know, 1400, supposedly the real king of England, because it all got mixed up and one of the guys wasn't a real heir because all this stuff on and on, the real king of England now lives in Australia. And so they went down and found him, and, he, and, and there's this guy, and he's, he's just happy as can be, and he's got a family, and he's drinking beer, and he's working at this little rice factory. And this guy says, you know, I figured it out, and I, track, I tracked all of it, and you're actually the king of England. And he said, how about that, if we could get it all turned around? And he goes, nah, I'm okay with this. I love my life. You know, I got my family, I got the people I love, and it was so sweet. Because He just, nah, I don't need that. But what a beautiful uh, uh, reflection of of wanting to be in the aliveness. And we all share that. I mean, that's that's a commonality because it's that divine presence within us that is seeking that experience, seeking that connection. So it's a beautiful thing. So this this month, we're going to talk about the company we keep. Part of it is community. And then we'll move to friends and family and work. Next week will be about work, friends and family, then self, and then spirit. But it's such, a, it's such a refreshing and, and exciting philosophy and, and way of life and way of thinking to be part of this. And so I just thank you for your support. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your openness and willingness to continue to express the divinity that is seeking that through, through you and through myself. So I'll see you next week.